Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I have as my guest today Rabbi Levi Upton, which is great to have you here with us, with me. Our topic is spirituality and religion, although I must say that this is our chosen topic, but whether we actually keep to this topic is open uh, to depending on where the spirit takes us. Why would you say that? <laughs> Each time we do seem to veer off the subject. Today, I actually dedicate this program to the memory of the black consciousness leader, Steve Bantu Biko, who was tortured and killed and died in prison on this day 40 years ago. He was only 30 years old. What I didn't know and I heard today was that he was actually um, studying to be a doctor. He advocated that black people need to liberate their minds to rise above their feelings of inferiority. And he said, you are human, not inferior. And he said that the white people have to liberate our feelings of, to release, to realize we are human, not superior. And I think both of these, this quote of his is just so really true for today's society and for us and I heard his son speaking today on the radio and um, he's, uh, Steve was only 30 when he died and his son was six and a half and uh, his son spoke so incredibly well and and he said that his father fought for, for education for his people and that uh, today he would actually be having a fit if he saw uh, the people burning their institutions and, you know, he would have liked free education, certainly, but with freedom does come responsibility. So we dedicate this program to him. Right, Rabbi Avtson and I have often shared this mic and we really enjoy doing so, don't we? Very much so. <laughs> the reason why I'm actually, I joined Chai FM as a presenter, uh, was because of Rabbi Upson, and I'm not sure if I should thank him or not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, the feedback justifies the hard work. I do thank you. Um, the the Oxford Dictionary defines religion as the belief. You you're raising your eyebrows at me there. The Oxford Dictionary defines religion as the belief in and the worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially God or gods. Spirituality is defined as the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. So Today, people often say they are spiritual but not religious. So that's what I was about to say. Okay. Based on the way you read in the Oxford Dictionary, I could see right away why spiritual is a much more vogue and cool word to use than religious. Mm. Why would you say that? Um, because spiritual is First of all, sounds much cooler because you're you're, you're 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 connected to humanity and you're connected to your spirit. Religious sounds dogmatic and fanciful and believing in uh, gods which cannot be proven and sounds very unsophisticated, unmodern, unbefitting uh, a Western mind. So, uh, spirituality, in a way, what you're saying actually gives you autonomy, so you can choose. What is important, whereas religion 
gives you a framework to work within. <laughs> and that's exactly the point I was leading to. You see, the problem with spirituality, there's no definition. I mean, I, I, any guy could sit there, you know, smoking pot and calling himself spiritual or, you know, flying on a plane and, you know, jumping and doing uh, bungee jumping in, in, in Africa and convince himself they're doing spiritual. It, it has no definition, and that definitely resonates with a, with a Western mind that sits there saying, you're not going to tell me what to do. But the problem is it has no expectations, it has no definition, and it's totally um, – it's undefinable. And it's unreliable. In other words, it doesn't force us to become responsible people. You know, you could sit there leaving your wife or having an affair because, you know, I'm being spiritual and my spirits tell me to do that. And there's a lot of gurus in the 60s who came up with such crazy spiritual ideas. Um, oh, a human being, by definition, needs rules. I remember, as you're saying that, actually, I remember working um, – at hospice, and there was very in vogue at the time was this um, thing called I am. It was finding out who you are, and it was one of the saddest th times I've actually ever worked in in the me medical area. Was seeing how many people were kind of left to die because the the families were into I am. I mean, not many, but but certainly it happened. It it had an impact on me, and that was many many years ago. And the impact was: where is the responsibility towards your fellow human being, your fellow human being, your fellow man? Why is it all about just you? So, are you saying that spirituality can be used to the detriment of ourselves? Yes, and you see, and let me let me clarify something about religion because when people think of the word religion, I imagine listeners thinking right now what they think I'm talking about religion is the kosher, the Shabbos, um, the the commandments are that are between humanity and God. Mm. But as much part of religion, if not more, is the relationship between man and man within humanity. My responsibility, to treat my neighbor as myself, is a religious idea. Until Judaism introduced into the world uh, anti-infant side and all the other crazy ideas, we didn't have uh, – we, we, you know, the world had very strange ideas of how to treat children and how to treat disabled and how to treat women, etc. So when I say religious, I'm talking about the whole body of religious literature that offers not, offers not only a dogma of what to do, you know, how to tie your shoes and, and when to rest and when to sleep – but rather the, the, the body that tells you how to engage with humanity, how to engage with your spouse, how to raise your children, how to treat your parents. That is religion. Mm. And that is beautiful religion. That is beautiful religion. <clears throat> you know, that uh, I read somewhere that religion that is motion without emotion is something missing. So you're saying in Judaism there is the emotion with the motion. And I would say it's the fundamental. I mean, think about the famous story that the convert who the, the, the wannabe convert who came to Hillel and he said, tell me the whole Torah while standing on one foot. Mm. And he said, that which is not uh, liked by you, don't do unto others. That which you hate, don't do to others. And the rest is commentary. Now, Hillel is one of the greatest sages in Jewish history. For him to come and say that the point of the Torah is to treat others the way you want to be treated and the rest is commentary tells you that what? That the basic of the Torah is Treating people well. So when people sit there saying, Rabbi, I'm not religious. I just, I, I want to treat people well. Well, that is religious. Mm -hmm. You might be focusing on other parts of religion, which is beautiful. 
Um, but to sit there divorcing interpersonal relationships from religion, I think, is unfair to religion because then it does leave religion bankrupt of the human element, of the social element. And it's like, OK, put this on now, say this now. And that's just one element of religion. Uh, I have to agree with you there. I really do. But so you're saying that spirituality as defined um, that there is an overlap between spirituality and religion. So, so I, I, listen, again, these words, each one of us can define them in our own way. What I define spirituality is really my journey towards God, and religion is really God's manual f- for me to connect him. There is definitely room, not only room, there's a mandate to find my own personal journey and to connect, okay? But within the framework of religion, if I decide right now that banging the table six times is a religious dogma and God never said so, am I really connecting to God? Even if it feels good. Mm-hmm. And it might feel spiritual, or I'll sit there closing my eyes and meditating about how uh, ceilings, uh, def- you know, signify a certain uh, idea. It's cool, but who am I connecting to other than maybe some kind of consciousness? Mm-hmm. So religion is almost the manual, and within religion, if you can inject it with your own feeling and your own spirituality, that I believe is a gr- tremendous harmony. I agree, and we've got to go to advert, and then we have some live reads, and then we'll pick up from that. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Okay. You know what, Sue? I think you should actually just go into broadcasting. Who cares about finding human? You do this full-time, read adverts. <laughs> oh, you're quite right. Now, <laughs> we're not allowed to waste time laughing. Now, uh, that's not spirituality or religious. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about laughter and spirituality. What do you mean? And last week's parsha, we we spoke about that, that. That one of the reasons why Hashem felt they had to punish the Jewish people is because they didn't serve God with joy. Mm-hmm. Joy uh, is fundamental, and that's very much Rabbi um, Nachman of Breslov's uh, uh, focus. Theme, focus. Theme. Yes, one hundred percent. He definitely gave a tremendous focus about. But throughout Jewish history, we understood it's, it's simcha. That's what you need. You need joy, and uh, and you know, walking around morose and feeling sorry for yourself is not exactly a Jewish concept. No, it's not at all. And, you know, um, I'm going to actually tell you about Rabbi. I know you know Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, and you say he's one of my favorites. He gave a talk on the role of spirituality in an increasingly secular world. And he started by giving three quotes, each warning on doom to come. Chinese saying, may you live in interesting times. Uh, another saying, more than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, the other to total extinction. Let us pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. <laughs> and then the Jewish joke, start worrying, details to follow. Yeah. He used these quotes to show the Western world's relationship with spirituality. He actually said it's, it's perilous relationship with spirituality. And he says that the Western world is going through what he calls a profound uh, revolution of human history, a cultural climate change. And just as climate change uh, happens because of change in weather patterns and, and what have you, so we are facing the new cultural changes causing a series of storms in the West. Okay. What do you think about that? No, I think we're, we're living in a very strange time to be a Westerner because um, one of my favorite books is Civilization by Neil Ferguson. I don't know if you've read it. It's a very good book. And 
basically he shows how suddenly out of nowhere the West came and developed into such a strong entity because till five six hundred years ago who heard about the west yes there was a little glimmer of lights in the dark ages but the dark ages and middle ages don't exactly imply tremendous growth and on the contrary then it was more in the east and more in the in north africa etc that society was built up and suddenly in the you know the renaissance period etc the west comes together and he talks about six killer apps i'm not going to go give a whole uh, philosophy but at the core, one of the basic principles of the West was a tremendous sense of values based on Judeo values, Judeo-Christian values, um, that then allowed them to build a worldview of democracy and hell and and you know allowing people to own property and allowing people to be citizens and not just you know servants, etc. The West was built on ideas. See, a lot of other societies were built on location or power or commonality. The West was ideas. Think of the United States, which in many ways symbolizes the West, as much as some people don't like admitting it. But America still, uh, in many ways, is a moral light in the world. Um, America was the one country in the world that was based on an idea. It was a bunch of people coming from haphazard, random places, coming together based on an idea. Chief Rabbi Sachs talks about that in Mm -hmm. the speech he just gave on TED. Um, the, The America began with a narrative. And what he says, and I fully agree, is that uh, the West is losing its narrative. The West becoming more I and not we. Yeah, more I and and less we, but also moral relativism with the the inability of saying our way is better than your way or or our way has justification. The self-loathing, the left's obsession with the, you know, socialism and communism, etc., um, the right, the extreme right's obsession with hatred, etc. All these kinds of things are creating a climate in which the West actually doesn't know what it's fighting for. Mm-hmm. It always boggles my mind. You know, yesterday was nine eleven. World War Two was a much bigger destruction than nine eleven. But somehow, World War Two, once the, the the West became aware of the Nazi regime, five six years later, it was over. And from nineteen forty five, they started to rebuild. And I, I wasn't here in the sixties, but I believe. On the most part, World War II was behind. The traumas were there, but, not, but it wasn't seen in the world. 9-11 happened 16 years ago, and we're still living in a climate that 9-11 is still affecting us, even though it's a bunch of ISIS guys and Toyotas or Al-Qaeda or radicals all over the world. What's the difference? So obviously, you could sit there saying that was an army and these are individuals. But I believe that the fundamental difference then was then we knew what we're fighting against and what we're fighting for. Today in the West, we cannot name the enemy. Right? Everyone calls it different. If it's terrorist, radical Islam, um, Russia. Ex- yeah, extremism, all fancy words. We, don't, we can't define what our issue is. Mm-hmm. We cannot, in, in, at least in the left, but in, in a lot of the West, we can't sit there saying that is evil. I've had people sit around my Shabbos table saying they can't say with absolute certainty that what ISIS is doing is evil because who decides what's evil? If you don't believe in a God and you don't believe in religion, you don't believe in an absolute dogma of what's right and what's wrong, then you have no way of defining anything as evil. Now, I want to ask you about that because that was one of the questions that someone actually sent through on Facebook. Um, But first of all, because we need other questions as well, uh, you can SMS us on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on 0621482374. Now, one of the questions was, how do we know what is truth in a religion? Um, because every religion says, every religion has its own story. 
And every story starts with a beginning. Well, most most of the religions, the stories start with a beginning and how it will end and in between. So how do we know where the truth is of so a for, religion? So that's a very good question, but I have to clarify. I'm Jewish. So when I'm no, gonna, really? <laughs> so I have to, I'm not here to defend other religions' dogma. Mm. I'll, I'll talk about specifically Judaism, you see, because it's important that I, every religion has their own narrative and their own sense of defense of how they're going to defend it. And we're not going to be putting down any other 100%, religion. 100%, but I'll Absolutely. say what, what Judaism has, which I don't believe any other religion has, but even if they do, I have a great for them. And that is, we don't claim that there was one person who had a revelation. We claim that three million people at Sinai had a revelation. No other religion documented, there's actually a history, a guy did history, he checked 165 religions. Nobody claims that more than one person had the original epiphany. Why? Because then it could be disproven. Mm-hmm. We've been saying for 3,000 years, and we have it documented all the time, that all the Jews witness Sinai, all the Jews witness Sinai. So for us to say that, for me, that's a tremendous confidence of the reality of Sinai. Now, and I believe that, not only I believe, I know that my father said the same narrative and my grandfather said the narrative, and I could sit there pointing pretty much all the way back to Moses' time about all the generations that shared the same narrative. So the history can be checked out on certain things. Uh, on, on most of it. Now, mm. on the, uh, there is the, like any religion, like any body of law, there is written, and then there's thing that has to be interpreted for each generation. So, for example, the Constitution has a principle, but then the Constitution also has to be need a Supreme Court to apply it into certain scenarios. And the and we learned in the parsha a few weeks ago that God said that there will always be the team of leaders, the team of rabbis, who their job in each generation is to apply Torah to that time. Now. There's a, a direct train. There's a direct uh, uh, lineage lineage of, of of this rabbi teaching that rabbi that teaching. Now, as long as they don't break halacha, obviously, I'm not talking about movements within Judaism who sit there breaking and saying that you know Shabbos is no longer Shabbos. But within the halachic Judaism, there's always been the ability to expand and develop as necessary without changing the core. And if they change the core, then we obviously know they're false. Okay. Now, there's always debates. There's not dogma. There's debates. And we've uh, got to end on that one, that debate. We're going to go on with it in a minute. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson with Rabbi Levi Upson. And... Um, uh, you can SMS us on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on 0621482374. I'm supposed to read, read some live reads, which I will just now, but Rabbi Afson is on a roll and I'm going to give him the mic. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> no, don't you go back to me. <sighs> right. Religion is awesome. Mm. We have to develop an appreciation for the role that religion plays in our life. And we have to realize that the, this tradition that we have is so rich. Um, again, it's, I'm not here to defend each religion's narrative, and there's many, many paths, and each person must follow you know, what resonates with them. However, as a Jew, and on the Jewish radio, I believe that for the Jew, the, the way of Judaism has a very strong tradition. And yes, there's debates. Even today, there's there's various different debates within rabbis, and, and there's room to sit there following within orthodoxy one rabbi over another. There's a whole chicken. There's a chicken debate right now going on in Israel. There's this kind of chicken that they that they recently asked if they could checked. Is it is a regular chicken or not? Um, and there's a whole debate. And some 
ultra-Orthodox rabbis saying the chicken's kosher and some ultra-Orthodox rabbis saying the chicken's not kosher. And their communities are following suit, which is fine within the framework. There's always room for that. But and, and Judaism actually teaches us to question. 100% and debate, but, with the, but within halachic parameters. And mm-hmm. everybody knows that the only reason they're deciding if something's kosher or not is based on principles. Now, they might be interpreting the principles differently, and that's the, within the right. That's why we have a Beth Din who sits there debating the application of the, of the law to, to a scenario, and that's fine. But when people say they're saying, how do I know the Judaism's right? I mean, first of all, the, the Sinai tradition and the fact that this is a, a straight tradition for 3,000 years – of, of, of developing and, and making the religion, you know, relevant in our time and making it relevant to people. And, and I just look and see how much life force it offers. You know, I just was reading a letter Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote uh, uh, in the 1950s, uh, before Rosh Hashanah. And he says that throughout Jewish history, there were a lot of branches that started branching out of Judaism, you know, like quasi, you know, Judaism, etc., or within the, the Judaism, that I mean, staying Jewish, but starting to interpret uh, and changing the, the fundamentals. And eventually the, those branches fell off. If you want to see what's the common denominator of Judaism over the past 3,000 years, it's not our language because we've always been changing our language. There was a time we spoke Yiddish. There was a time we spoke Ladino. There was a time we spoke uh, Arabic and Aramaic. It's not our culture. Our culture was always different. It's not our clothing. It's, what is it? It's our religion. Mm-hmm. Religion is that tremendous sense of consistency. Now, it's always had its relevance. That means my gefilte fish wasn't eaten 600 years ago. Okay, so we've definitely sushi wasn't. Yeah. And we're each one, we're able to add our own nuance. You know, the halacha says, Jewish law says, eat fish on Friday night. It doesn't say if it has to be gefilte fish. The reason they had gefilte fish, one of the reasons is because it was without bones and it was cheap. Mm. And the shtetl, you couldn't afford more. That's the only reason we started eating gefilte fish. And chicken soup, because it was cold in Europe, in Eastern Europe, so you had to have chicken soup. Now, technically, you don't need chicken soup. You could have vegetable soup. <laughs> okay? And uh, you, you, whatever. The point is, you know, you could have sushi and uh, et cetera and vegetarian stuff. And each one's allowed to bring within the religion the nuance without changing the fundamental. Mm-hmm. And that is the beauty of religion because it's a set of, I don't want to use the word dogma, it's a set of principles with a lot of room of flavor. So if you go to Sfardi Rosh Hashanah versus Ashkenazi Rosh Hashanah, and then you go to Temani Rosh Hashanah, you'll see very different flavors. Okay, their meals on Friday night look very different if you go to a Yemen night meal. But it's still a Friday night meal. Mm -hmm. And just going back to actually the different narratives and and what's happening um, in in religion today, uh, uh, Jonathan Sachs did say that religions need need, um, – he said that conservative and orthodox faiths are now surpassing liberal ones. That religion that accommodates secular life is being replaced by a religion that resists it. Yeah. Um, uh, how does that fit in with with Jews of South Africa, for instance? Uh, well, first of all, we see that right now the the, the firm world community is getting bigger and bigger. On the other hand, assimilation is also getting bigger and bigger, and the middle ground is becoming smaller and smaller, the typical South African Jew. And I think that's because of human nature. The human nature loves living in absolutes. Um, you know, living in a, in a sort of a gray, nice balance is unhuman. It, it never lasts in a society in any way for too long. I'm not saying if it's right or wrong. Just saying historically, just look. You know, the, the 50s tried to create more of a balance. People came back, the baby boomer generation's parents, the warriors, they wanted to create peace and love. What happened uh, in the 60s? The kids rebelled. They said they want absolutes. Mm. And that's what always happens. We try to find a middle ground, but the human being is, is naturally pulled 
towards absolutes, specifically teenagers, uh, the youth. And therefore, there has to be this balance of absolutely being balanced, but on the other hand, not selling balanced ideas because people don't resonate with a compromised ideas. Liberal ideas, oh, yes, Shabbos is no longer relevant. Kosher is no longer relevant. Intermarriage is no longer an issue. So if, if that's debatable, then, then what isn't debatable? Mm-hmm. You, you see, because what's right now happening is liberalism is, or rather the left, is willing to ch- challenge everything. I mentioned a few weeks ago on the radio that they, two professors associated with Oxford – offered a thesis that they believe that from now on we should be able to do post-birth abortion. They don't want to call it killing babies. Mm. Post-birth abortion, because anyways, for the first few days, the first few weeks of a baby's life, they anyways don't know what's going on. So just like you were able to kill a baby, a fetus in the in the womb, so too you could be able to kill, you just call them post-birth abortion. Mm. Now, well, oh my God, but that's the way people felt 50 years ago about abortion. Mm. And, and and what I think what, what's going on is the left is pulling and saying everything is ne- negotiable, and that's forcing the other extreme to sit there saying nothing's negotiable, and that we're beco- and that's the American politics, that's politics all over the world, that's politics in our country, that is society. And he gave quite a funny story actually of a of a film that he a comedy he had seen, and there's two cars uh, going parallel to each other, and a man is he's he's head in his arms are in the one car and his legs in the other car and suddenly they come to an island and they, they the cars are going parallel and they come to an island in the middle of the two cars. Uh, you know, as you were saying, uh, it doesn't go together. You know, you, you get torn apart if you try this to, to, to marry the secular world too closely. So I'll be so, honest, so let me clarify. There, I don't believe in a, dogma, in a closed-minded Judaism. I don't believe in the shtetl mentality. I believe that Judaism has a message to the world. And I think that, that the world has a way of, um, you know, has its own truths because it's also created by God, but not with compromising religion. That's what I'm saying. I believe religion is beautiful enough and relevant enough to be in this world. You don't have to lock yourself behind shtetl walls. You can go into the world and offer a message that's relevant and offer and, and, and learn from the world what the world has to say, obviously, as long as it doesn't compromise your values. Because we, they're both created by God. Who created the world? Mm-hmm. Who created science? Who created everything about this universe? We believe. God created the, 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 the world. So it's one harmony. That's beautiful. As you said, one harmony. I'm thinking of Perek Shira, the song of the universe, which, which, which is, is so much that, that harmony in the whole universe of, um, of the universe singing together. And, and I, I don't think we have to see the world and, and, and Torah as a contradiction. How could it be a contradiction if it's created by the same God? Mm-hmm. If God's perfect and God's absolute, which we believe. And he created this world. Now, this world's truths and Torah will fit one another. It might be a challenge for us to figure out how they do, but they always do. And when we see them as a conflict, and I think both the shtetl mentality sees them as a conflict and assimilationists see it as a conflict. One says no world. The other one says no Torah. And I'm saying, and I'm saying, you know, I think Judaism comes and says, they're both truth. Figure it out. Mm. Would you say we uh, received an email yesterday and and um, her the, from Australia and my and my friend said that in many ways um, she, she believes she's a spiritual person and she's had this debate with a member of the fam- of her family who's who's religious and he feels that actually her way of bringing up her children and actually 
perhaps living in the world is more difficult than if you actually follow religious rules. I've always said that. I, I, I always tell it to people. I say I actually, I don't know if I have admiration. I don't know if that's the word, but like how does a person raise a child without any absolutes? You could sit there saying, I think you need to be a mensch. But if you're not basing it on a godly principle, then your kid could say, maybe not. How do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know that I'm not, I'm not supposed to beat my wife up? How do you know that I'm not supposed to commit suicide? How do you know? Because it doesn't feel right. That means r- raising people, children without religion, I think is impossible. I actually don't know how people do it. Now, maybe just because a lot of kids don't question or because they're naturally good or because the parents are so loving that they'll just follow the parents' path. But any thinking person who's really searching for truth would have to confront that big dilemma. And that is, if there's nothing absolute, then how can you tell me that the way you're raising me isn't remotely relevant or true? So you're saying the children will start uh, questioning. And that is... as I've always said, let let me just cut in, I'm sorry. They they said atheism works for individuals. It doesn't work for a society. Mm. Because some individuals can find a moral living within atheism. But as a society... It doesn't work because you can't tell a whole society there's no absolutes Mm -hmm. and expect a society to then follow an ethical code. I I must admit I agree with you completely because I know so many people who who do not follow a religion but are – my best friends and incredible people. A hundred percent because it works. There's some people that just have tremendous natures or just have a, a good moral compass and whether they call a religion or not, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But as a society, if you look at Nazi Germany, if you look at communist Russia, you look at uh, North Korea, you look at any society that that banned religion. I'm not saying extreme religion is the answer, but banning religion is not either the answer. Again, that wonderful elusive word of balance, of seeing um, not turning religious into dogma, but rather allowing a set of principles to make each person find their own journey. And I must admit, I have searched very hard on my own journey in life. And and there was a time when I would say that I was definitely spiritual and going that, that path. But Judaism has given me a framework to work within that I am eternally grateful for, especially through times of trauma, to, through times of my own self-doubt or, or loss. Um, I have turned unbelievably to, to Judaism and found comfort in it. Now, I don't know if it's because I wished to find comfort in it or because I had searched towards this path. Explain. Well, you know, it's sometimes if you, if someone is you, someone close to you is dying, it's a nice thought to think, well, they're going on to something more special and to a world beyond a this world, place. a better place. Yes. A, a, a life hereafter, which is part of what Judaism does teach us. But so without that, I, I think perhaps I would have really struggled if, although, I'm not sure how religion comes into that. Do you think it is part of the belief that there, there is something greater beyond here? No, that's a very religious idea, the idea that we come from somewhere and we're heading somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is just a prosder, it's just a hallway. But can that not just be a spiritual way of thinking as well? Again, what is, it, it, the question is how you define spirituality. If spirituality is thumbsuck, feel-goody, feel then no, because it doesn't come from a thumbsuck. It comes from principles, and those re- principles come from religion. Now, I don't like the word religion because of all the connotations. Okay? It's, it's, it's relationship. Mm-hmm. Religion is 
Imagine your spouse would actually tell you what all their pet peeves are and would be very comfortable in telling you, please don't do that, don't do this, etc. Most marriages would have a much easier time, at least the beginning of marriages. Hopefully after 40 years, you figured it all out. But in the first year, you're like, what, what did I say? I didn't know I did anything wrong. I see Torah Mitzvah says God's way of saying this resonates with me, this doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not dogma. It's coming and saying, I want a relationship with you. Now, personally, when you eat kosher, I feel good. When you don't eat kosher, I don't feel good. Oh, it's dogma. No, it's not. It's like your wife saying, you know, like, I like pink flowers. Now, wife, oh, could you stop giving me dogma? Go buy white flowers. It's not going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. The word religion as in God coming and, you know, this big guy with a white beard in the sky and coming saying, thou shall rest on Shabbos. He's saying, no, I want to spend a day a week with you. And that resonates with me. I want to spend a day with you. I want you to, you know, work six days a week and one day a week just relax and enjoy my company and let me enjoy your company and let's meet at Shul and let's meet by the Shabbos table and let's, you know, meet in, in, in family unity. That is religion. And that's what the word religion is so, in so many ways, it, it, it's so heavy. It's so gross. So it's re- relationship. religion really encompasses the I, the thou, me and you, it, uh, the um, the self, the community. Um, it's a manual. It's a manual for good living. Yes, it's a manual and society. Hundred percent. God put a product into this world, and that is you. Okay, and he's the Torah, the religion, is a manual how to use you. Mm. Okay, so it's like getting a beautiful car, and you have no, you never studied how to drive, and you have no idea what all the gadgets are. So you're driving your beautiful Audi, but you actually don't know anything besides turning the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. So you're boiling in the heat because you don't know how to turn on the aircon, you don't know how to get all the other down, you don't know how to move your seat, and you don't etc. All the shtick. Religion is just the way of saying this is the way to maximize your potential within yourself, within your marriage, within humanity, and within myself, God, and the human being. Absolutely. And and um, as you said just now, you have to be an incredibly special human being if you can do all of that without the so-called, in, in inverted commas, religion. Without because, the manual. Yes, without the manual, because I think there's such an overlap. We have an SMS that's come through. One God, creator God of Israel, one way to God, Isaiah, 53 religions. And uh, that was that. And I, I actually have to read out a, a live read. I hope you learned something from that. I actually did. Now, you know, just going back to um, religion, uh, to Judaism, Judaism actually tells us so much about the world that, that I find absolutely amazing because they talk about the spirituality of um of song, even you know, and um, that that most of our, our our services are actually made up of song, um, um, and I actually think that's that's beautiful because song does get very close to you. That is something that is tr- uh, transcendent, isn't it? Hundred percent. Music. I just find besides music, mysticism. I love. You know, Hasidut, which is, uh, you know, just a certain way of applying Kabbalah and a beautiful, uh, beautiful meaning to life. So right now I'm getting ready for the high holidays by each day, learning a half an hour to an hour of this beautiful book called the Kuti Torah, um, which is actually translated in English as well. And that is deeply spiritual stuff. So to sit there saying that religion doesn't offer the whole spectrum of human experience, I think is because we're often unexposed 
to the whole spectrum of religion. And I think also what puts people off is that so many people who claim to be religious in all different religions wear the the garb. The coverings, the whatever, the, the clothing. Yes, the penguin suit, if it has to be the <laughs> penguin suit, whatever it is. And yet, that's, that's all they really know, you know, is, is the clothing. They, they don't know how to be, to, to reach out to their fellow man to actually be better human uh, yeah, beings, I, I, to leave this world a better To be better fair, place. I've heard that many times and I agree. On the other hand, I, f- I find very often people who are irreligious make assumptions about the religious person. So, for example, we'll sit at a shir. You come, you know, we, we, we sit together on a Wednesday shir, and all often people will sit there saying, oh, my gosh, I never expected someone religious to say that or to feel that. And mm. you're like, why didn't you? So we also have assumptions when we see the penguin suit that the person behind that has no life, no personality, no depth, no human experience, no struggles, no epiphanies, no wisdom. So it's, 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 it's on both sides. We're not engaging one another to actually realize. I do agree that there's some religious people who are corrupt and, you know, and et cetera. And I don't call them religious because part of religion is they'll be corrupt. But I think very often it's also because we don't engage them to see their human experience. And we don't mm-hmm. see, oh, they, they also have a humanity behind them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think the, the the person who practices religion has a mandate to show that, but the other person who doesn't has a mandate to look for it mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, you're just bland and boring and you have no value to add in my life. Um, not even that. You know, I think someone sent a message in to say that she finds she's put off religion in general, not just Judaism, but religion in general, because so many people who claim to be religious are actually completely materialistic and so grounded in this world that they don't look at anything that's greater. All humans are humans. Okay. Yes. I also grew up with some religious people who are very materialistic. So what? It, 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 religion, again, it's, it's a, a set of principles that have to be adapted by each individual. If I'm just following the principles without learning its lessons, then I'm not really religious. So I could put on film every day, but if I don't realize that the real reason I put on film on my head and my arm next to my heart is to create mindfulness and heartfulness, and I don't realize that the reason the Shabbos is to engage with, with my family and engage with God, and I just keep Shabbos again, I'm losing the whole point. So to sit there blaming religious people for not fully engaging is like blaming people for being shallow. Some people are, some people aren't. Okay, If you're born into religion and you don't necessarily go on your own journey, so like any other way of life, you're not going to develop the depth. But don't stigmatize religion. Um, and don't stigmatize any way of life by the people who haven't really learned the lessons. But go spend time with people who are religious thinkers and religious livers and people who, who try to bring it into their lives. And then sit there saying, do you think it's made them a better person? Do you see the way they treat their spouse? Do you see the way they're raising their kids? And that is actually also true. Do you know that there was a Gallup poll done on people from 40, 145 countries. Um, all They were adherents to all major uh, world religions. And they attended religious services uh, in the past week. That, that they were tested on that, and they were seen to have much higher rates of donate generosity, such as uh, donating money, volunteering, and helping a stranger, uh, than did their. Uh, the I could say from our own shul, we've had many people who didn't come to shul for many years, and then at some stage they lost a parent. And they start coming daily. And they're the first ones who will sit there saying, I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I'm a different person. I'm part of a community. Not only the religious aspect, but I'm part, of, I'm part of something deep. Every day I spend a half an hour to 45 minutes around other people who are searching for God, searching for community, etc. There's no question that even if religion wasn't created by God, which in my mind is impossible, we would have had to create 
that kind of truth to create the strength of community and the strength of values. I have to, I really do agree with you there. And even going back to our, our, our shirim with you, you know, the, the bonding within a group is, is so incredible, especially in this world where there is a lot of confusion. It's wonderful to be part of a community and a group that actually cares about you and cares about the world out there and, you know, what's, what's happening and not just caring about materialistic There's things. a talk out there on the internet called Atheism 2.0. By yeah. Dubatan, and he, 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 he talks about how atheism has to take certain things from religion. <laughs> he says, <laughs> why? Because he says, yeah, we can't take the God concept because, of course, it's not modern and sophisticated, but the ideas of community and responsibility and the, uh, coming together, etc. So, but I would say atheism 2.2 doesn't have a chance because so much of what we're coming around is, is ideas, absolute ideas. Mm-hmm. But for coming around and we can't actually agree on any absolute ideas, it's so hard then to create the sense of community. That's why communities have always been associated with religious institutions because religion offers the framework to create that community. Okay, we're going to an advert. Craig has been waving this paper at us. Ooh, for a Craig, Craig, huh? You've been fantastic. <laughs> See you Stay relevant and up-to-date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson with Rabbi Levi Atzon. And where our talk is on religion and spirituality. And we have hoped that we've covered quite a bit. Time always runs out on us, but it hasn't quite run out. But I have a few live reads. Can you explain what you just said? (laughs) (laughs) Not when you are sitting there rolling your eyes at me. Um, you know that the Mayo Clinic researchers examined the association between religious involvement and spirituality and physical health, mental health, health-related quality of life, and other health outcomes. The authors reported that most studies have shown that religious involvement and spirituality two together, are associated with better health outcomes, including greater longevity, coping skills, and health-related quality of life, even during terminal illness. Less anxiety, less depression, and less suicide. It makes so much sense. And for me, if you talk about religion and, and spirituality, for me it comes to one principle, and that's God. Being religious, or rather believe, you know, being spiritual, or whatever you want to call it, means that I believe that there is a creator who's involved, who dictates everything. So when I'm going through a challenge, instead of saying, oh, gosh, life is disappointing me, I say, God, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. I'm and able there's to, comfort in that, A hundred percent, because I know that nothing is random. I know that, you know, even the fact that we're sitting across each other is not random. Mm-hmm. There is a reason for it, why it happened today. And I've seen it on the radio so many times where a message is shared by me. Um, which I totally didn't plan for. It comes out of my mouth and like, I never thought about that before. And then I get a phone call later saying, Rabbi, that's exactly what I had to hear. I'm like, you had to hear what? Like, I didn't even plan on saying that. And there's no question that the fact that we're sitting across each other, hopefully it's a good show. And hopefully it's because at some somebody, it might be you or me, had to hear something today. Mm-hmm. And that idea that there's a designer to the world who's fully involved is, is the most not only comforting, it's the most unbelievable Feeling, I, that's what I said, you know, you asked if, can you raise your kids without God? I, I can't imagine raising myself without God. Mm. Okay, Craig, you write, you. A frequency like no other. 
101.9 Chai FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson with Rabbi Levi Aftson. And Rabbi, the, you know, I received this email from my friend and she said, in many ways, I think belonging to a community, <clears throat> sorry, and believing in rules and rituals would bring another element of meaning to my life. Without a question. Why? Again, because y- you, you agree on principles. You believe that there's a, a, a ruler to the heaven and earth. You're, you're, you're part of a bigger picture. That means one of the biggest things about religion is that we're, that we're all interconnected. Okay, we're all working together to make a home for God, make God, you know, a place where humanity and God can engage. Now, if I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the purpose of life and I don't, so what am I engaging with you around? So we can just talk about, you know, what you sow today and, what, you know, what, how you did your hair do. And even if you talk about profound ideas, but because there's nothing, a joint mission, a joint purpose, a collective responsibility to perpetuate the religion into the next generation, etc. There's nothing to come around. What, you know, when we come together on Shabbos, we come together in Shul. We're engaging because we all want the same thing. We want Judaism for our kids. We want Judaism for our grandkids. We want Judaism Jewish message for ourselves. It creates such a cohesiveness. And it's, it, that's why communities and religion have always come together. And, you know, today they talk about in the West that communities have fallen apart. Mm-hmm. It's directly correlated to the downfall of religion in, in, in people's mind. There's a limit how much you could talk about coffee, you know, like have a group about talking about coffee. There's a limit how much you could talk about anything. Religion is not a thing. It's, it's, it's a direction of life where we all come together and say, we're going to come to this community, Linksfield community, Sydney community, whatever community, we're coming because we want to create something. So we want to live something. To, to grow and to learn. I mean, I know that's why I come to your shirim on a Wednesday. It is part of that growth and learning for me. Would you say that that's what uh, religion gives you? A hundred percent. And it, it, the, you've seen it over and over and over in people. The second they start coming to Shul more often, the, they find that it's not only making them more religious in the dogma sense, but they're feeling a sense of belonging. They're feeling a sense of growth. And that's why, like, you know, I was reaching out to people in the community today, ask what I should talk about on Rosh Hashanah. And one of the people called me and he said so well. He says, tell people that the reason they need community is for themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there saying, oh, I, the rabbi, hereby, by the powers bestowed by me, by God knows who, um, <laughs> command you to come to, to shul more often because who, your kids need to be more Jewish. No, you need community. Mm-hmm. We're offering you a service that you need. It's like Steve Jobs having to convince you that you need a smartphone. Are you kidding me? He doesn't have to convince you. Look at everybody. I mean, I don't know, how, you know, if smartphones in the hindsight have been more amazing to most of us or destroyed our lives. But community is a tremendous product. It boggles my mind how so many of us don't see that. And actually, you know, if I think about many communities, there are a lot of people who would be very lonely without the community. A hundred percent. You walk in on Shabbos and this person says good Shabbos to you and that person and you, you, you know, this person invites you for a Rosh Hashanah meal. I think about the amount that, you know, and I only know our community, the amount that people gain just by showing up and letting people know who they are and sharing is incredible. I agree. We have to wrap up and I'd just like to end by saying this, uh, that um, you're going to be hearing Elvis Presley singing I believe, <laughs> and which is for everybody listening in.
all religions. Um, Has he composed it recently? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it was uh, sent through to him. Sometimes reaching out and taking someone's hand is the journey. At other times, it is allowing another to take yours. And may you each find hands to guide you on your journey. And thank you so much, Rabbi Aftsan, for being with me. And I'll talk always gets carried away we're going to have to go on with it at another stage amen